Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining me now from the advocate down there in Baton Rouge, Wilson Alexander on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Appreciate your time. I think it's, you know, it's, it's obviously very fair to say with LSU after, after three weeks that they're a little behind schedule. You know, that, that loss to UCLA was definitely unexpected down there in Tigerland. If you were to sum up LSU after three games, how, how would you do so? A team that has gotten better week to week, but isn't where it wants to be or needs to be to compete in the SEC, uh, particularly with you know, heavyweights like Alabama. Uh, I guess you could maybe put Florida and potentially that category. Ole Miss looks really good. Um, a team that it seems like it will finish somewhere in the middle of the pack, and that's not what you expect if you're LSU. And when you really think about it, is, is there a possibility the loser of this game is going to finish last in the West? Yeah, because Arkansas looks much improved. Um, Texas A&M is obviously a top 10 team, and um, Ole Miss looks really good. And, you know, you just kind of go down the line, it's probably, you know, definitely a very real possibility that one of these teams finishes last if they lose this game. I'm um, curious also to see how Auburn fits into that uh, equation as well. Watching LSU and seeing them struggle to run the football, I mean, for a guy as old as me, is just it's just incredible. I mean, it's just something that you've always been able to count on through the years is LSU having that great running game. I know John Emery is a big loss for them, but to not have another guy just ready to go like they've had in years past is something that's surprising. Is there any way that, that can turn around this season? I don't expect it to turn around this week because State has been very good against the run. It doesn't even, I think, come down to the so much the personnel in the backfield as much as it is just the run blocking across the offensive line. LSU's offensive line has not been good, at probably the weakest point of this team. And that's an area where you know they brought back originally five starters, lost left tackle Dare Rosenthal. He, of course, uh, transferred to Kentucky. Uh, and then they brought, you know, had Cam Wire who started about half the games last year at left tackle, but he's been injured, uh, you know, out the last couple of weeks. And, um, and so, but they just haven't, there's been a lot of injuries ever since preseason camp and they haven't a lot of, had a lot of continuity along that offensive line, but even still you thought, okay, well, their experience, hopefully, you know, they can probably mesh pretty quickly and they, they just haven't, they have not pushed people off the ball, even against McNeese state a couple of weeks ago, they just could not create any running lanes. They'll be curious, very interesting to see moving forward, what they do with freshman Corey Kiner. Um, he had a good, he, when he's gotten the ball, he's done a lot with it. Uh, he's made things happen when there haven't been holes there. He's more shifty than Ty Davis Price, who's still going to be their starter, Ed has said. Um, but Corey has done more. Then again, it's been in the second half, mostly, against you know these teams that you know and get worn down by LSU over time. And, yeah, but you know, it's, it's going to really more hinge on what they can do along the offensive line. You know, they're finally able to open holes and get a push they just haven't had the last few weeks. Coming into the season, one of the big questions was who was going to compliment Keyshawn uh, Boutte. And, and, and they looked like last week a couple of guys started making their, their case for that. Deion Smith, MSU fans will be familiar with him uh, being from Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Jack Besh, older guys like me will be familiar with him because I know his dad. I remember him at LSU. Um, are those the top guys that are trying to force their way into the rotation there in the LSU passing game? Or who are some other targets other than Boutte that, that LSU fans are starting to want to see? It's those freshmen. Deion Smith had a huge game. And, I mean, he didn't even travel to UCLA in the season opener. I think he had two receptions for, like, 13 yards against McNeese. 
And then he got a chance to start, must have had a good week of practice, and he made the most of it. Um, had two really nice touchdowns, went up and just grabbed the ball off of the cornerback's head. And then Besh has been kind of going, you know, his role has been growing a little bit more and more in the offense over the last few weeks. Um, he's playing kind of a hybrid tight end wide receiver role, and he's done a great job with it. It really, it, I don't know how LSU would take those two guys out of the starting lineup after what, the way they played last week. And they, they've been really high on this receiving core, this freshman receiving core since preseason camp. And those are going to be the guys to really look for opposite Boutte moving forward. But they are, they're deep at that position. I mean, we still have guys. Jeray Jenkins is a junior. John Jay Kirkland hasn't played because of academic issues, but whenever he is available, that's a senior that has a good bit of experience. And Trey Palmer was a starter. He's a junior um, and caught a touchdown against McNeese State but he was unavailable this past weekend and maybe he got passed, but they have options at that spot. Those freshmen that were really were the ones to watch. LSU, you know, there was so much talk when Joe Brady left of what they lost offensively, but when Dave Aranda left, I feel like LSU really lost its identity defensively. They, they were always a defense to be feared under him last year under Polini. We all saw what happened there this year. I mean, defensively, I, I don't know what their identity is. What do you think of this LSU defense? It's I think we're going to know a lot more after this weekend um, because in that season opener against UCLA, it looked the same pretty much as it did last year. Um, they're getting pushed off the ball. They had missed assignments. They could not defend a crossing route, uh, which is a phrase down here now that gives, makes LSU fans shudder ever <laughs> since that Mississippi State game last year. The word crossing route sends shivers down their spines. Um, and they, they've done a good job the last two weeks. Um, but they haven't faced the kind of competition that they're going to in the SEC. Um, this is a defense, I think, that is really strong along the defensive line, even though they lost Andre Anthony to a season-ending knee injury um, just the other day. They've got a lot of really good pieces along the defensive line. The thing is, LSU, you know, college football hasn't played. It's, you still have to win at the, at the line, but there's so much of college football has played way past it on those crossing routes and things that LSU struggled with. Um, that I don't know how much they're going to be able to make up for those issues if they can't fix those missed assignments and those busts uh, that plagued them so much last year and the first game this season. Um, so this is still, I think, a team you asked of their identity is we don't fully know yet, and they're still trying to establish it. I think this is going to be an ugly football game, low scoring. I, I don't have a lot of faith in either offense. Uh, defensively, I mean, I think State is, is good enough up front to give LSU trouble where you're talking about their offensive line troubles and then state offensively, they're just not very good at all. How do you see this game playing out from your end and and who does a low scoring game benefit the most? Who a low scoring game would. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I would have to think that a low scoring game would probably benefit Mississippi State, just because this sells you. I don't, shoot, I don't know. Uh, this, like you said, this game's kind of hard to predict. Hard to, um, you know, the line's pretty close um, uh, in terms of the betting line, and and it's like it's a hugely important game for both teams. But it's 11 a.m. on a Saturday. You know, it, it's not going to have that hype around it of like a night game. I really don't know what to make of this game yet, as we sit here and talk um, this part of the week. Um, still sort of something I'm trying to figure out in my own head uh, as to what I might think hap- happens. Um, I, I don't know if either team really has an edge. It's going to, I guess, probably come down to who just has the fewer 
number of mistakes uh, as most football games do. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. This is a question that, you know, if, if stated one last weekend, I would be asking it with a little bit more confidence that this scenario might unfold. But if State wins, if Mississippi State wins, what's the fallout? LSU at 2-2 two and two going into the, the heart of their schedule. What, what's, what happens to Ed Orgeron with a loss here? Of course, we don't know for, for certain if, if, how that would sway things, uh, but in terms of his future at this point, but that seat would be scorching hot. Yeah. I mean, this is a game that they, they really got to win. There's a lot of pressure on LSU in this game. I mean, to, to show that the, this season for LSU has never been so much about going and winning a championship. I don't think a lot of people saw it as something that was feasible this year, but kind of similar to 2018, show that it's the program is moving in the right direction and that it's getting better and that what everybody saw last year in 2020 isn't going to be LSU football as long as that's the coach. Um, and that starts winning this game because this was the game last year that showed that, oh my gosh, there's so many problems just schematically and that this team is, is not the same as it was uh, in 2019. And to, so they need to beat Mississippi State to show that, to kind of get that monkey off their back to close that chapter and say, okay, yes, we have made improvements. We know how to defend a crossing route now. We know how to fix these issues that hurt us so much last year. You know, we can coach and, and make you get better on that in that way. Um, they have to start by showing that against Mississippi State. If they don't, there's going to be a lot of really unhappy people here because they'll really, they won't really have beaten anybody. They'll have played, you know, they'll be had wins against McNeese and Central Michigan, but that's not saying too much when you're LSU your two toughest opponents you have lost. And, and when you're staring down the rest of an SC schedule, that's, as we discussed earlier, looks tough. It's not going to be a lot of happy faces in Baton Rouge. When you think about LSU with two losses and still having games with Auburn, A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, and even Kentucky, I mean, that's a tough team. Yeah, that, that, this is a must win for LSU. I think it's a must win for Mississippi State as well. We'll find out what happens on Saturday. We'll see you in the press box. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate in Baton Rouge. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brian. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.